tuning into Small Big Wings, a window to the world of young, ambitious problem solvers. They are makers, designers, builders, hackers, scientists who heard their inner voice and amplified it. To learn more about our guest and to view the highlights of this episode, head on over to fbw.hvj.coach. I'm in conversation with Renuka Divan today, the founder of BioPrime Agri Solutions. She has done her postdoc in genetic engineering and has deep experience with bioactives and plant tissue culture. What I understand is that there are only a few handful of companies in this particular space. And in India, probably BioPrime is the only one. Let's get talking to Renuka today to understand what her trigger was, what the inspiration is, and what really the business is. Because I personally think that this business is a huge climate action initiative also. Renuka, welcome to Small Big Wins. Thank you so much. We're so excited to be here and um, love the kind of podcast that you guys are doing. So, you know, it's a huge uh, moment for us to be on uh, on on this conversation with you uh, on the onset i'd just like to say that uh, yes the space in biotech is uh, building up but uh, there are a lot of companies globally that are working on biologicals working on bioactives there are just a very few companies uh, that are working on developing targeted molecules for process modification, whether it is in plants, whether it is for disease or pest control. Um, and we fall into this category of, you know, developing these novel kind of biologicals, which basically, you know, uh, center around using plants' own uh, signaling mechanisms. Now, signaling mechanism may sound like a big word, but this is essentially just plants communicating within themselves or plants trying to communicate with one another. And we study and leverage uh, these processes. So yeah, that's what we do at BioPrime. So when you specifically talk about targeted molecules and signaling mechanism in the agribiological space, there are a very few companies there. Yes, that is correct. Yes. All right, globally, at a global level. At a global level, yes. And in India, you are the only one. Uh, yes. To the best of our knowledge, we're the only ones in India using this approach to build biologicals. Oh, all right. And uh, you also mentioned about climate change. So uh, that is a big part of what we do at BioPrime. Uh, the first uh, products that we have uh, into the market, all are centered around building climate resilience in crops. So, you know, to help crops survive and farmers get assured yield despite uh, the unfavorable conditions. Uh, that is the whole thesis of the work that we do at BioPrime. So, so Renuka, by education, you are a genetic engineer. <laughs> and, and you have nothing to do with GMO. But you are in the space where you are doing everything which is to be done without any genetic modification as such. So, yes, so it is, um, the, it is the original variety of, uh, if I may call the desi seeds, which are being used by the farmers and with the help of your agribiologicals, you make the process much more resilient, the growth process uh, resilient enough to fight the circumstances in which it is growing. Yes, absolutely. That is, that is correct. So uh, what we usually see that plants have an inbuilt mechanism of protecting themselves. 
but with the new varieties that we have released uh, into the market where the focus is on yield sometimes uh, it comes at compensation of tolerance uh, or sturdy uh, you know how sturdy the plants are and by fixing or tweaking these processes uh, we are able to help them adapt to climate change much faster normal breeding approach would take a scientist 8 to 9 years to come up with a variety uh, and you know this is something that can be done on a as is where is basis for the farmer so helps farmer adopt to you know the changing climatic conditions uh, obviously new varieties are needed but till that uh, you know uh, material good planting material is available this is what the farmers can do right now um, uh, irrespective of farmland size and that is very important for us that it's irrespective of farmland size because um, you know i mean uh, it is the small and marginal farmers that are suffering the most so we have to have solutions that can be adopted by them easily um and that's why as is there is approaches uh, important for us so um you know when you talk about the fact that the small and marginalized farmers are the ones who are most deeply affected always and also in situations of climate change they become the ones who are most deeply affected now when what is really the ground reality when you when you go for your tests uh, when you go for your trials do the farmers understand climate change or they generally want to take an approach which is commercially more conducive to them how does it work what is the ground reality that's a very interesting question and i'm so glad you asked this uh, so uh, we kind of went with a hypothesis in our head that we'd have to convince the farmer uh, and the smaller the farmer the harder it would be for us to convince them uh, we'd probably have to educate them on climate change and uh, our ground reality or when we went to farmers in jharkhand bihar chatisgarh up we understood in fact that uh, these farmers are very well aware of climate change because uh, you know over the years they've seen their profitability decrease they may not know the word climate change they may not know the word global warming but they know that whatever they were doing in the past whatever they were doing 5 years earlier does not work now they're doing the same things you know purchasing the same seeds they have the same agronomic practices and yet they're not able to get the same yields this is something that they understand very well and we also thought that small and marginal farmers would you know not we are early adopters per se uh, and interestingly it is these farmers who are very welcoming to new technologies because you know honestly their land holdings are so small and fragmented that the only way to increase income is increase yield and increase productivity so they're probably even more enthusiastic than the uh, you know bigger farmers or uh, large land holders or orchard farmers um, who normally are seen as very progressive so this is something very interesting that we found on the uh, ground and uh, this happens more in areas where farmers depend uh, like 80 to 90% of their income if it is coming from a single crop then their approach towards you know newer technologies adoption of these kind of technologies increases even more mm-hmm. so that's been our interesting observation it was completely uh, contrary to what we had expected 
but it was very uh, heartwarming to see that these people are actually you know looking out um, and searching for newer technologies that they can adopt um you spoke about the fact that your uniqueness comes from the concept of targeted molecules which you learn from the signaling mechanisms of the plants one is within the plant itself but also between plant plants so i can kind of conceptualize conceive the within the plant signals but how does how do these signals between different plants work and how do you detect that yeah so um i hope you've seen avatar you know because if you've seen avatar and you can visualize um, the pandora that was there and how it was communicating uh, with the other um, you know forest trees um to a very broad level that is exactly what happens so there's a network of uh, usually in a good ecosystem uh, fungal network through which the molecules travel in the soil uh, plants also release this chemicals in in their vicinity or their root zones which attract certain kind of microbes so there's a, uh, you know they kind of uh, build a favorable condition for certain type of microbes to come and live in that vicinity uh they also release uh, some kind of molecules through air so they pass on and can be you know traveled over a long distance and some very interesting uh, thing here is uh if a tomato plant is sending a signal to a tomato plant over the years uh, the plants that grow alongside tomatoes or have naturally grown alongside tomato have learned to eavesdrop uh, on this conversation so they can pick up so if a tomato plant is telling another tomato plant that listen you know i am under fungal attack and you also better prepare yourself then let's say a chili plant that's normally you know grown alongside the tomato plant can interpret those signals and they themselves also start you know preparing uh, for a fungal attack and um, it's like a, it's like a language you know so if i say cup the moment i say cup there's a cup in front of your eyes it's not a pen it's not a bottle it's a cup and that is how precise the signals are and that's the beauty of the system that there's a very specific signature of molecules which represents a very specific attack and that's one uh, aspect uh, that's uh, wonderful and the second aspect is uh, very very rapid so once perceived within a fraction of seconds the plant starts preparing itself so these signals are very very rapid and very precise and that makes a perfect uh, candidate for designing new kind of biologicals because honestly you know farmer wants something uh, that works just like the chemicals is targeted is fast in action but at the same time is good for the environment is good for him is good for his land so you know he's also looking to strike this balance mm-hmm. well so this is actually fungal networks so you and your team you specialize in deciphering what's happening in the fungal networks at what point in time under what conditions yeah we kind of say that you know at bioprime we are learning an alien language and the language is of plant communication so yes uh, that is what we do we specialize in identifying under what kind of conditions what kind of molecules are secreted what kind of processes can be instigated how specific they are how rapid they are and can then you know uh, we take all of this make a formulation out of it and put it onto the fields so yeah 
Bravo. And um, um, how, I mean, I, I have seen that you do have some six or eight products available. And, and how long does it take to really make a product? I know this must be variable times, but, but as a thumb rule, how long does it take after you have, uh, you know, this whole deciphering process and product making? So uh, when we first started, we focused we focused on challenges. We Our first challenge was temperature control, drought control, and, you know, crop losses associated with it. And over time, as we went, we realized that um, if we do this product by product, it will take us uh, ages till we have like a portfolio to answer uh, all the needs currently that Indian farmers have. Mm -hmm. And hence, we decided that can we not make this a little bit more smarter? Can we not make this a little bit more efficient? So right now at BioPrime, we're building two kinds of platforms. One is for the biomolecule discovery and one is for a micro uh, discovery. So uh, this helps us, you know, cut down the screening time from weeks to days, um, wherever it was weeks to hours. So we use this very high throughput kind of uh, mechanism. And the more uh, that we do, the more kind of problems that we solve and the more kind of challenges that we do, uh, the shorter the cycle uh, will eventually become. So uh, that's why we have, uh, you know, shifted our focus from solving problem to problem based uh, solutions to you know always taking all of this uh, data combining it and making it like a repository so that we can use this to build our production right and and how do you how do you get to large trials i mean you are a startup what kind of collaborations do you do? With whom do you collaborate to get this through? And, and what is your success rate so far with all the trials and with all the products which you have rolled out? Um, that's also a very nice question that you asked. And I'd love to highlight here that, uh, you know, we've been able to reach so far is uh, because of uh, the collaborations that we've had uh, in our journey. So uh, we, once the products were developed with the help of, uh, you know, funding from the government, we were fortunate enough to receive funding from BIRAC for proof of concept, um, which means that just on an idea, they gave us funding to kind of test this hypothesis out, develop the products. But once this was there, it was required that we go and test it on the fields. And uh, trust me, you know, when when we go to the farmers and uh, we look like the way we look and talk like the way we talk, the farmers don't trust us, right? So we thought that they would roll out red carpet saying that, yes, this, these are the exact problems we wanted to solve. And we've been waiting for you so long. But no, it doesn't happen like that. So, you know, the collaborations is very important because without these kind of collaborations, you cannot go to the farmer and test your product uh, in real condition. So we do the scientific approach of, uh, uh, you know, testing in lab, testing in controlled condition, testing in greenhouse. And till that time, it is fine. But what happens when it goes out into real conditions, when the farmer is using 10 other products, when 10 different things are happening, when, you know, there's so much of variation in terms of um, how the farmers grow their crops and does the product, you know, then survive uh, and does it give the results that is. 
So this was possible because of our collaborations with the corporates. So they, you know, kind of uh, took us under their fold and help us set these trials out and um, spent a lot of time with us um, with, you know, going to the farmers, talking to the farmers in terms of what is working, what is not working. So from an MVP kind of a product, how do you arrive at a commercial uh, product? So taking that, uh, you know, feedback from the farmers, understanding what is to be iterated, how is it is to be iterated. Those kind of uh, inputs have been extremely valuable for us. And uh, we took like from the first time we launched the product to the commercial launch of the product took us almost one and a half years. So we did like four iterations mm-hmm. till the time that we finally arrived at what might be successful in the market. And I think I think without this entire ecosystem, it's very difficult uh, for a startup to you know, transition towards commercial sales. So uh, that is something that we learned in hindsight as, as I mean, we three are scientists. So as scientists, we thought that awesome, once we identify a molecule, our job is done. Then we thought, uh, oh, it's not like that. Then we have to understand what is the dosage, when is the application, how do you give it to a particular crop? Then we thought, okay, once we do that, our job is done. Put it in a bottle, put label on it, write descriptions, your job is done. And then we realized, oh no, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't end there. And the last stage, which is from that stage to a commercial successful product, sometimes it's got nothing to do with science, you know. So this last stage is where a lot of handholding is required. And I think uh, a lot of these corporates are, uh, you know, really opening up to ideas of collaborating with uh, startups like us. So there's a very vibrant ecosystem in US, but I think the same kind is building in uh, India currently. So that's very encouraging to see. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Tell me something. So I don't know even if this is a good or a right question to ask, but let me go for it. So a farmer has to choose, let us say, between using GM seeds and saying, no, I'll go with my regular seeds, but I'll use agri-biologicals from BioPrime. <laughs> if, if, does he have this dilemma or can he have this dilemma and how does he solve it? No, honestly, I don't think he has this dilemma. I'll uh, very honestly tell you farmers uh, want something that works. So he doesn't care whether that works comes from seed or whether it comes from his input. Um, usually a farmer will assign uh, the credibility of the success of the harvest uh, to the seeds if it is a, uh, you know, like uh, rice, wheat, maize kind of crops, where where there is a very high assignment value to the seeds he uses versus the agri inputs. But in cases of vegetables, orchards, fruit crops, there's a very high value associated with the inputs um, the agronomic practices and that determines the success or failure. So I think it's a crop dependent question more than a generic question. But honestly, I don't think farmer really cares, you know, ki, matlab, uh, seed, kya, I mean, whether he should use a seed, whether he should use uh, chemical inputs or whether he should use biological inputs. Um, he just wants his crop to be successful. 
and it is up to us to you know perform at that level so that he has a he has a faith in us that i'm buying this product because it works not because it's biological not because it's good for the environment but the product works mm-hmm. there is a lot of activism uh, against genetically modified seeds mm-hmm. there is a lot of agricultural activism against that so so your product stands apart from this am i right yes absolutely we are not engineering anything into the plant it is more like tweaking the processes and uh, to give you an example uh, if you have to give a human example so there are a lot of people who are lactose intolerant they are lactose intolerant not because genetically they are missing some information it is because their gut uh, is has an environment where a particular type of bacteria cannot live which is able to break this down and if tomorrow we are able to kind of give this conducive environment to some people suddenly uh, you know their gut now has this microbes that live within them and they become lactose tolerant so we see that you know sometimes a person suddenly becomes lactose intolerant and you are like acha naya fad hai aapka but you know it's like sometimes he's gone through something maybe a illness or something like that and he cannot now digest the food that he used to uh, digest before so is the same kind of thing you know i mean we don't do genetic uh, modification but we are kind of fixing internal processes using triggers um, or using some kind of instigations for the processes to activate uh, but on a gene level there is no modification at all all right how did all this come together i mean what was your trigger to trigger for this idea what is the inspiration um well honestly uh, there wasn't like a you know single moment or there hasn't been like a moment of a aha kind of a moment but um, i did my uh, phd then i did my postdoc i was teaching in the university and um, i was kind of you know not uh, satisfied with the research just being confined to you know being patents or being publications and without any real translation of it and so you know we started thinking what is it that we can do and uh, my co-founders have been uh, one i have done my msc and phd with so uh, and one 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 was my senior so we started you know speaking what is it that we can do and um, so we thought okay let's see if we can do anything in agriculture and since we didn't have any domain uh, knowledge per se i decided to you know quit my job and kind of see what it, what is it that we can contribute so i went on the fields i was talking to anybody and everybody in the value chains from seeds to nursery growers to uh, seedling industries to farmers and i could not believe the kind of agri inputs that people were using it felt very um rudimentary to me it felt that science has progressed so much why is it that people are like why is it people don't know this why are people not using this and when when we kind of dug more into this we understood that there isn't uh, these kind of solutions available so they're not using because these kind of solutions are not there and then we thought if they're not there you know then why not why not make them so that was the thesis uh, with which we started and um one of the uh, i'll give you one of the incidences that kind of you know sealed this in 
um, stone for us is um, I had, I was at Naranga, which is like two hours journey from Pune. And we had like a massive crop loss that year in 2016 for tomatoes. And mm-hmm. farmers were struggling to make uh, even 5,000, 10,000 rupees. Mm-hmm. And I came from that day, um, I had to go out with my friends. Uh, there was a, a celebration of some promotion and all of that. And and within two hours, I came to a world where five, 10,000 rupees didn't matter at all. And I was just so conflicted with this that I thought that uh, even if it is just two hours of distance, the world is so apart for, uh, you know, Pune versus uh, that farmer that day uh, where, you know, one is struggling even to make five to 10,000 rupees. And, and on the other side, we are not even thinking twice of spending five to 10,000 rupees in a celebration. And that kind of sealed it for me thinking that, uh, you know, that this is something that we have to solve for, you know, this is something we have to do. So that has been the motive, you know, behind BioPrime. So we say uh, the vision or the mission of the company is bring back pride and profits to the farmers, you know. So profit is essential because farming needs to be looked at as a business, like as an entrepreneur. And pride because, I mean, farmers, no farmer's son or daughter wants to take up farming. And we want it to be an occupation of choice rather than, you know, uh, because nothing is possible don't want that kind of an outlook towards farming don't want that kind of social standing for farming we want that you know we, we want to change this we want that farming should be looked upon as a respectable uh, profession so that's that's the thesis for us that's that's what i called principled action Okay, I don't know what it is called, but okay. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's an action which was inspired by some, you know, deep-rooted uh, principles of bringing parity, of bringing dignity back to the farming community. So tell me, I think, I think what was left out in one of the previous questions was, so how, how do you see your success rate today with the, with the crops, with your biologicals? Yeah, so uh, at a discovery stage, we focus on, you know, something that's uh, uh, processes that are common between all kinds of plants. So uh, that is fundamentally important for us when we develop these biologicals. So uh, the success rate for uh, our crops, I mean, our products has been pretty high. Um, it, It also has been very high because, you know, we've been able to have some very good partners who've not given up. Uh, on putting the product into the market. Um, so the success rate has been pretty good, I, I would say. Uh, just requires a lot of picking um, from our side. So that experimentation part is required. Mm-hmm. I understand. You know, what is that one big factor, Inuka, for you as a startup uh, and, a, and a biotechnology startup in particular, which has contributed in a significant way to where you are today with your research, with your company? Um, Undoubtedly, you know, the um, kind of efforts and the support that uh, the entire ecosystem uh, that has been put to place by the government, um, single-handedly, I think it is 
these directed and dedicated efforts that companies like us can even exist. So whether it is through BIRAC, where they provide proof of concept funding, where we are able to, you know, at, uh, take an idea to a product stage, uh, having incubators like we were incubated in Venture Center. So having that kind of an uh, area where we can, you know, um, test these products out, uh, do the kind of uh, data building that is required, mm. uh, earn the trust of, because of this data, you know, obviously earn trust of corporates that, okay, this can be, uh, you know, tried out. It actually does come from a science space. Um, and then even on a larger scale, uh, st support that we have got from uh, Startup India, Niti Ayon, um, Pusa uh, has, uh, Pusa has recently launched an agri startup. So Pusa Krishi, uh, where, you know, these kind of connections, uh, whether it is through organizations to try the products in different regions, uh, have been put into place. Um, social alpha has also helped us a lot in terms of, you know, networking uh, and putting the product in uh, UP where the farmers are really, really small and marginal uh, farmers. Um, I would also like to mention that government of Telangana has this uh, initiative called REACH. Um, and REACH has been uh, fundamental in helping us make the corporate connects. Because otherwise, it is very difficult to go and knock doors of the corporates and, you know, climb the hierarchy ladder and, you know, find uh, somebody to, you know, tell your solutions to and get that kind of partnership. It's very uh, difficult for a startup to do all these things. So REACH has been, you know, that organization for us who, uh, you know, helped us open doors. So I think it's just the entire ecosystem, uh, you know, that's come around uh, in the past three, four years that is helping and has helped a startup like us. So you mean you mean the ecosystem which is enabled by the government now? Yes, absolutely. All right, understand. Uh, Renuka, thank you very much for your time today. I think it was a it was a very insightful discussion, and you know, as someone said, climate action is not a priority. It is something which affects all the priorities. So let's. We, you know, I want to ask everyone who's listening to this podcast to come together to encourage and spread the wonderful work which is being done by you. And uh, may your company blossom into one of the leading uh, weather changes in this world. Thank you so much for the wishes. And uh, it was lovely speaking to you all. And uh, would love for people to spread word on climate action and climate resilience, um, especially for smallholder farmers in India. Thank you so much.